Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. In this Start Here episode, we're going to be introducing you to Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, a bit of the park's history, and a little bit about the magic you'll find there. Then we'll be getting into the nitty-gritty details, which ticket you should buy, where you should stay, and which attractions and restaurants you absolutely should not miss. We're going to tell you a lot, but don't worry. There's going to be maps, notes, and info on the places mentioned in these guides in the Circa app. So whether you're planning your dream Disney vacation, you're in a long line for the Tower of Terror right now, or you're just a Disney nerd like me who wishes you were park hopping, you're in the right place. So sit back, put your headphones on, and pretend you just won the Super Bowl because we're going to my happy place, the happiest place on earth, Walt Disney World. Circa. Love the world you live in. We'll help you explore it. First, on magic. Hi, and welcome to Walt Disney World. I'm Lauren Passell, founder of Tink Media, a company I named after Tinkerbell, the editor of Podcast the Newsletter, and proud Disney adult. I've been to Disney World more than a hundred times. I won the Disney World Princess Half Marathon in a Tinkerbell costume, and I go on a Disney cruise at least once a year. And my closet is 75% Disney t-shirts. I go to Disney World a lot with my mom. We often leave my dad and husband at home. And we're two Disney adults who are not afraid to don stupid hats and get Chippendales autograph every time. But I've been to the park with friends, kids, babies, feuding aunts, impatient uncles, grandmothers, and every single kind of grumpy Disney naysayer there is. So, with that said, I feel qualified as your guide no matter who you'll be traveling with. When people ask me why I love Disney World so much, I tell them about the first time I went to Disney World in Orlando when my parents took me on the Pirates of the Caribbean. It was 1989, I was five years old. Now, 
If you're unfamiliar with the ride, it tells the story of a Spanish town being ransacked by troublemaking, mischievous, drunk, adorable singing pirates. And you travel by boat through the city to observe what havoc the pirates are wreaking. One of them is a life-sized animatronic of Johnny Depp. Savvy? At the very beginning, you go down this little dip, you see the Spanish town on the right, and on the left, you see an anchored pirate ship sitting in the water. And beyond the ship, you see the horizon and the sprawling ocean. You can tell the pirates are ready to get rowdy. And I remember thinking, how do they get the ocean in this room? I really thought that Disney had put the ocean in that room. And I always think about how they were able to create that magic and make me really feel like I was in another place. And that's a very special thing to do. And that's the mindset I want you to be in when you head to the parks. One thing I love about Disney is that even adults can tap into this magic. So I want you to let go of any attachments you have to the real world, any hangups you have about being silly or cheesy just because you feel like you have to be an adult. Find that five-year-old in you who's going to be surprised that they got the ocean in that room and let yourself experience the wonder and joy. If you're going with a kid, it might be really easy because you can see the joy that they're experiencing. But even if you're not, I'm here to give you permission to be a kid again. Since its grand opening in 1971, Disney World has been a global icon of imagination, innovation, and family fun. And yeah, there are other theme parks with bigger roller coasters, but nothing compares to the attention to detail, the use of storytelling, and mastery of engineering magic into physical spaces, and the wonder that Walt Disney World brings. Let's go back to the 50s. Walt Disney, the man, was sitting on a park bench, watching his daughter on a merry-go-round, and wondered if there was a market for a place where kids could escape into a world of fantasy and adventure and their parents wouldn't mind joining them. In 1955, Disneyland was born, and he soon started dreaming of a larger, more immersive version. He found Florida to be the ideal expanse of land to make this bigger dream come true. In 1964, he began buying thousands of acres of land in the Orlando area under various corporate names to keep the project a secret. Uh, secrecy was vital to prevent speculation and inflated land prices as Disney worked diligently to turn his vision into reality. Walt passed away in 1966, and it wasn't until October 1st, 1971, when Disney officially opened its gates to the public. Opening day featured some iconic attractions that are still there. Cinderella's Castle, It's a Small World, Jungle Cruise, Swiss Family Treehouse, The Haunted Mansion, Peter Pan's Flight, The Mad Tea Party, Prince Charming's Regal Carousel, Tomorrowland Speedway, and Space Mountain. Day One also featured some themed resort hotels that are still there, including the Polynesian Village Resort and the Contemporary Resort. Don't worry, there's going to be maps, notes, and info on the places mentioned in these guides in the Circa app. 
As the years passed, Disney World continued to grow and evolve to its size of 43 square miles, twice the size of the island of Manhattan. It expanded to include Epcot, which opened in 1982, then Disney's Hollywood Studios, originally called MGM Studios, in 1989, and finally, the Animal Kingdom in 1998. We're going to talk about all of those places, so buckle up and keep your hands and arms inside the moving vehicle. Today, Walt Disney World is made up of four theme parks, two water parks, over 25 resort hotels, tons of dining and entertainment options, and a themed shopping and dining district called Disney Springs. And to think, to quote Walt, it all started with a mouse. You could spend a year going to Walt Disney World and have a new experience every single day. And believe me, I would love to do that. But if you're going for a vacation and just want to get a lay of the land, make sure you don't miss the best things to eat or the best shows to see or just find yourself waiting in the longest lines in the park. Join me for a tour of the happiest place on Earth. We'll be going through the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, the water parks, Disney Springs, some hotels and dining options, parades, and more. We are sticking to the things you simply must know before you go. Now, before we dive in, here are some things I want you to look for while you're there. Every single inch of the park is meticulously planned and curated. It's all about the details. Disney Imagineers, or the people who research and dream and build everything you see in the theme parks, they're the ones that make it that way. They're the ones addicted to these details that are tiny surprises for you to look for. When you're passing from land to land in the Magic Kingdom, you don't see the other lands. And if you look closely at the windows along Main Street USA, you'll see the names of fictional businesses each honoring a Disney Imagineer or someone who contributed to the park's creation. Also in the Magic Kingdom, you won't travel more than 30 feet without stumbling upon a trash can. And what you won't see is a single stick of chewing gum for sale. Think about it and feel free to fact check me. And don't forget to look out for the hidden Mickeys subtly incorporated in the various elements of the park attractions and hotels throughout all Disney properties. You'll see them in the design of carpeting in a hotel, the backdrop of a painting, or circular objects arranged in that familiar Mickey Mouse shape we all know and love. Sometimes they can be hard to find, so keep your eyes open. It's super rewarding to find one, and just another way the Imagineers have made an interactive place that pulls you into their story. I'm going to give you a few hints, so skip ahead 30 seconds if you want to be surprised. Okay? Still listening? I don't want to spoil the fun, but I'm not not telling you to pay special attention to the queue area of the Haunted Mansion, stained glass windows, the design of plates and cups in restaurants, and the carpets at the hotels. Another thing you won't see, the Disney Utilidors. 
Rumor has it that one day, while Walt was wandering through Tomorrowland, he saw a cast member, and cast members are the names for anyone who works at Disney, whether it be in Florida, California, or Ohio at a Disney store, dressed as a cowboy walking on his way to Frontierland. But cowboys don't belong in Tomorrowland. Walt realized he wanted a way for these cast members to be transported to their workplaces without being seen by the public. So that's why they built a massive underworld system of access tunnels called the Disney Utilidors. Today, by the time you get to Cinderella's castle in the Magic Kingdom, you're actually standing on the third floor level. There's a whole universe of Walt Disney World tunnels beneath you, nine acres worth. It's set in the form of a circle with spokes leading out to different directions with a path right down the middle. The tunnel walls are colored so the cast members know where to go and how to get to their correct locations, and only cast members know how to get to these tunnels. Once they step out into the Magic Kingdom, they're considered on stage. That's when they're fully in character. There's so much going on in these tunnels that I get jealous sometimes. There's a cafeteria called the Mousecateria, a salon called Kingdom Cutters, the Glow Room, where all those neon-lit Mickey ears and bracelets and swords that you see in those carts are stored. There's transportation, locker rooms, rehearsal areas, and way more. There's also this Swedish garbage disposal system called the Automatic Vacuum Collection System that zooms all the waste to be gathered and sorted and compressed or recycled behind what used to be known as Splash Mountain at 60 miles an hour. Now, there are a lot of Disney World podcasts out there, and I listen to almost all of them. But lots are just updates, like the removal of a snack item from one of the food carts or the temporary closing of a ride. And that stuff is interesting to people like me. But what if you, you know, like a normal person, want to plan a trip to the park and you just want to know the basics? What if you don't need to know that they're going to start selling special limited edition Epcot merch during the food and wine festival? What if you just need to know what ticket to buy and what you simply can't miss and where to stay, all that very important stuff? That's what this podcast is for. Plan before you go. If you ask me, it's always a good time to visit Disney World. I've been during every month of the year, and although it's always busy, let's face it, crowds tend to swell when schools are typically on vacation. But parents will always pull their kids out of school for the mouse. I know mine did. And there are lots of parents who homeschool, who have the flexibility to visit all year. Then there are the Disney adults like me. If you take my advice, you'll have a good experience no matter how many people are there. One downside of going during off-season, just kidding, there is no off-season, is that not everything will be open and not all attractions will be available. Because this is when Disney often refurbishes rides and closes things down that don't get tons of traffic. Now, when is my favorite time to go? 
That would be September, sans Labor Day. It's not sweltering hot, and lots of kids have just gone back to school. Another great time is January through spring break, which is often pretty light, as well as late August, though this is hurricane season in Florida. Expect rain. Beyond that, weekdays in October, November, and December are also good bets. But no matter when you go, avoid the holidays if you can. This means the big ones like Christmas and Thanksgiving, but even the smaller ones like Veterans Day. It is possible for the parks to sell out. When you're packing your bags, think comfy, casual, and in layers. Florida gets hot and humid in the summer, but it can get chilly in the winters, especially at night. Some of the restaurants require a dress code, like Victoria and Albert's in the Grand Floridian, but you'll notice that people are increasingly dressing more low-key. Wear sneakers. You're going to be doing a lot of walking. One thing not to wear Disney parks don't allow costumes or masks for anyone 14 or older, except at certain events. They also don't allow folding chairs, selfie sticks, or flags and banners. What to bring? Around every corner, you're going to see popcorn, ice cream, cookies, pretzels, the park's famous Dole Whip, and even turkey legs. And there are a few Starbucks. But, and here's a tip that might save you time and money, you can bring your own snacks, like goldfish, Uncrustables, trail mix, anything you'd put in your kid's lunch bag. And just remember, that Orlando sun can really melt those chocolate bars like no other. When you're packing, remember that the Disney Resort hotels have self-service laundry facilities, and you can use your credit or debit card on those to wash or dry your clothes. They even have soap vending machines. And if you're staying in a Disney villa with more than one bedroom, you'll have an in-room washer and dryer, which I cannot believe because I live in New York City and I don't even have that. Walt Disney Resorts also offer dry cleaning and valet laundry services. And taking advantage of that means you can pack less stuff, avoiding some online baggage fees. By the way, parking depends on your vehicle type, but each theme park charges the same rate per day. So once you pay for that, you can park at any of the other theme parks. And if you're a guest at a Disney resort, you get complimentary standard parking at Disney theme parks for however long you're staying. When to buy your tickets. Get out those credit cards. You'll want to buy your tickets as soon as you can, especially if it's during one of the peak periods like spring break, summer, or Christmas. You can buy a one to 10 day standard date-based ticket, or you can buy a four day four park magic ticket, which gets you access to Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Disney's Animal Kingdom on four separate days. There's a limit to one admission per theme park and one theme park per day. Check the Disney World website for the current prices. We'll put a link in the notes. For full flexibility, you might want to think about the Park Hopper, 
which allows you to visit as many parks as you want for your whole trip. For a brief time, you had to reserve the parks you were going to visit in advance, but in early 2024, they got rid of that rule. Now, if you want everything the park hopper has to offer, plus visits to a water park or other Walt Disney World fun, you're going to want to go with the Park Hopper Plus. And if you're planning a longer trip or many trips in a year, like me, you'll want an annual pass or the Disney Pass. This gives you admission to one or more Walt Disney World Resort theme parks during the year with an advanced reservation, up to five reservations at a time on a rolling basis, parking, savings on dining and merchandise, and no blackout dates. Don't put your card away just yet. You might also want tickets for a special event like Disney H2O Glow After Hours at Disney's Typhoon Lagoon, Disney's After Hours at Epcot, or Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, or Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party in the Magic Kingdom, where they make it snow on Main Street USA. All of this is made easier to manage with the My Disney Experience app or Disney Genie. There's a My Day feature that lets you see what you've booked, plus you can get personal recommendations. There's a tip board that lets you see how long the lines are, order food, make dining reservations, and even request to join an available virtual queue. Use the My Disney Experience app to activate Genie Plus, a paid add-on to the free Genie services that give you front-of-the-line access to some attractions and shows. You can use Genie Plus to get access to the Lightning Lane for some attractions and experiences, but not all rides have this option. If they don't, you may be able to purchase them a la carte. On average, guests can enter two to three attractions or experiences per day using the Lightning Lane entrance, but only if the first selection is made pretty early in the day. I literally am on my phone at 7 a.m. on the day of my visit to book. There are a few fun extras you can also make reservations for, like Savor the Savannah. Uh, It's a dinner event at Animal Kingdom with a private safari. There's this really cool scuba experience called Dive Quest. You can book a ride in Aerophile, the world's largest hand-painted helium balloon. And of course, there's the famous... Keys to the Kingdom Tour, which will take you behind the scenes the stuff Walt didn't want you to see. Like the Disney Utilidor, those nine acres of tunnels below the Magic Kingdom. You can register for the Disability Access Service, or the DAS program, in advance. meal planning. One of my favorite parts about planning my trip is 60 days out when I get to pick out the restaurants. For most sit-down restaurants, that's the furthest out you can book a table. And you will want to get on your laptop exactly 60 days in advance. More than once, I have set an alarm for myself to make sure I'm on Disney's dining site when the clock strikes midnight. 
especially if I'm gunning for a table at one of the more popular restaurants like Magic Kingdom's Be Our Guest, or if the restaurant has character dining. So start picking out your favorite restaurants way in advance, then you'll be all ready to jump online and make sure you get the table of your dreams. Disney World has great food, but for me, dining in these places isn't even about the food, it's about the experience. Each one is packed with magical details. Disney's Hollywood Studios Sci-Fi Dine-In makes you feel like you're at an old-timey drive-in movie theater. The seats are cars. Mexico's San Angel Inn puts you inside a Mexican restaurant under the stars. The Contemporary's California Grill will give you one of the best views of the Magic Kingdom and if you can get a reservation during the fireworks, you'll have the best seat in the house. While you're sitting there crying into your pasta dish over the beauty of Tinkerbell literally flying across the sky during the Magic Kingdom fireworks, you won't care what's on your plate. But again, there's great food to find. There's also lots of safe, kid-friendly food to find. And every single restaurant offers gluten-free, and plant-based options, and way more. Wherever you go, there will be something. If your diet is super complicated, you might want to call in advance. Disney is all about making you happy, and they seem to be willing to upend the earth to make sure you're a satisfied diner. There are plenty of sit-down restaurants that require reservations, and I'm going to go over a few of them here. But for every one of those, there are five quick service options that don't require reservations and still offer mouth-watering options for everyone. So if you're allergic to planning or just want to go where the pixie dust takes you, you'll be fine. You just might not get to eat inside Cinderella's castle. That's another hotspot that does require reservations. And oh, the snacks. They're everywhere. Gnaw on turkey legs, treat yourself to a Dole Whip, pick up a pretzel or popcorn, Mickey-shaped sweets, or even a hot dog-looking eclair that is made of chocolate buttercream served with sugar cookie fries that you can dip in raspberry ketchup. If you're staying at a Disney resort, you can take advantage of Disney dining, and that means you can pay ahead for a set number of meals and snacks for everyone in your party. There are a few rules, like everyone in your party has to have the same plan, and we'll link to more information in the show notes. Every restaurant in Disney World is unique in its own way, even the casual spots. But there are five unique signature food experiences that I'd consider if you're interested in a really memorable meal. Number one, the Hoop-dee-doo review. This is a lively Western-themed dinner show in Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort that's a mix of comedy, live music, and audience participation. When I first heard about it, I thought, that is too cheesy for me. But after I did it, I realized I wanted to go again and again because it is the perfect amount of cheesy. Number two, the sci-fi dine-in. This is in 
Disney's Hollywood Studios, and it is a restaurant that is actually a replica of a classic drive-in movie theater from the 50s, complete with car-shaped tables and movie clips of movies like The 50-Foot Woman and Plan 9 from Outer Space on the big screen. The waitresses are even on roller skates. Number three. The California Grill in Disney's Contemporary Hotel has panoramic views of the Magic Kingdom. And if you time it out right, you'll have a front row seat for the fireworks. You can stand outside the restaurant, but if you stay inside, they'll dim the lights and even pipe in the music from the show. Number four. Monsieur Paul is an elegant restaurant in Epcot's France Pavilion with classic French cuisine and a modern twist. Save this one for a special occasion. It is fantastic, but it might be the most money you're going to spend on a meal anywhere in the park or maybe even your entire life. Number five, Cinderella's Table. This one's inside the iconic Cinderella Castle in the Magic Kingdom, and it lets you dine in a fairy tale setting and have character meet and greets with Disney princesses. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Disney World. Where to stay. All right. You just landed at the Orlando airport, and you're very excited to do the we're here dance in your hotel room. You can get there with a rental car or take a lift, but you can also book your vehicle online or by calling the Car Care Center. There's a whole tier system of Disney hotels. There are the deluxe villas that have separate bedrooms, so if you have a larger party or want privacy and have a little bit of extra money to spend, this might be the best option for you. There's also a full kitchen so you can prepare light meals and snacks, a big living and dining area, and there's that washer and dryer I was raving about. Villas can be found at the Disney Saratoga Springs Resort and Spa, Old Key West, the Polynesian Bay Lake Tower at Disney's Contemporary Resort, the Grand Floridian, Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, the Boardwalk, Beach Club, Wilderness Lodge, plus the Copper Creek Villas and Disney's Riviera Resort. 
If you just want a gorgeous, more standard hotel, look into the deluxe resorts. Let's start at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. This is a beautiful place. There's this horseshoe curve design, which allows views of these savannas. Yes, savannas that are home to 200 real animals and birds, which means you can see over 30 species of African wildlife. You literally see zebras, giraffes, gazelles, and flamingos from your balcony. Imagine waking up to that every day. You'll also find lots of animal programs and one of the largest collections of African art in the United States. They also have a great pool and a slide. A perk about any of these Disney resorts is that if you're shopping in the parks, you can have your items shipped directly to your hotel. So it'll be waiting for you by the time you get home or shortly after. Animal Kingdom Lodge is breathtaking, but a bit off the beaten path. You can't walk to any of the theme parks. There's no monorail. So you're gonna have to drive or take a bus, but it is really worth it if you wanna spend some quality time taking advantage of everything the lodge has to offer. Disney's Polynesian Village Resort has always been one of my favorites, and it's been there since opening day in 1971. It has a bunch of themed pools, like there's a volcano and all these waterfalls and water slides, and it's on the monorail, which means you can take it to the Magic Kingdom and Epcot. But it's also within walking distance to the Ticket and Transportation Center. So it's really easy to walk there, and you can just take a bus or a boat to literally anywhere in Walt Disney World. The Polynesian is on the Seven Seen Lagoon, so there's a lot of options for families that want to do water sports like boating and fishing. And the Polynesian is also where you find one of my favorite bars, Trader Sam's Grog Grotto. That's a tropical tiki bar where you can get a drink out of a big pineapple or order a cocktail with a back scratcher. And I love all this silly stuff. Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa was also there on day one. And it's giving Victorian style. It's giving Palm Beach. It's giving Mary Poppins. There's a pool, a slide, a gym, and it's also on the monorail. There's even a Bibbidi-Bobbidi boutique inside. And if you've ever seen little girls in the park dressed like they're on their way to a beauty pageant with sparkles all over their faces and colorful hair extensions and flouncy dresses, you'll know that's where they've been. It's where kids can get a glam up to be princes or princesses for the day. Disney's Wilderness Lodge is inspired by the turn of the century National Park Lodges. There are several pools and Snow White and the Seven Dwarf themed dining. At night, they have campfire activities and movies under the stars. Also at night, you can view the electrical water pageant, which is this string of 14 floats that have images of sea creatures, and that parades across Walt Disney World's Seven Seas Lagoon and Bay Lake. It runs every night. And during the day, there's fishing and jogging trails, a health club, and arcade. 
There isn't any monorail access, but there is bus and boat access straight to the Magic Kingdom. Three of my favorite hotels are all located around Disney's Crescent Lake, Disney's Beach Club Resort, Disney's Yacht Club Resort, and Disney's Boardwalk Inn. They feel like they're part of the same family, but there are a few key differences. Let's get into it. Disney's Boardwalk Inn has this turn-of-the-century Atlantic City, Coney Island boardwalk feel. Carnival games and all. There's massage, a state-of-the-art fitness center, and the Luna Park pool with a roller coaster-themed slide, plus restaurants, bars, cafes, and a dance hall. Not far away are Disney's beach and yacht clubs, which are essentially a single unit, so they share amenities like a gym, a spa, volleyball courts, a pool with a pirate ship water slide, tennis, fishing, an arcade, movie nights under the stars, boat rentals, and more. All three resorts give you access to the Disney Skyline, Disney's gondola system that takes you to Epcot and Disney Hollywood Studios which are places that are also walkable and accessible by boat. If you're a runner like me, it's really fun to run around the 0.8-mile Crescent Lake, and you can run all the way to Disney Studios and back. That tacks on about a mile and a half to your run. You can view a map of all the jogging trails on the Walt Disney World property. We'll link to it in the notes. There are a few other moderate resorts that have more reasonable price points, but still capture that Disney magic. And they are Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort, Disney's Port Orleans Resort, Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, and the cabins at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort. There are a few value resorts. Pop Century, All-Star Sports, All-Star Music, All-Star Movies, and Art of Animation. These are great options because they're the easiest on your budget. But because they're located on the Disney property, you still get all the perks like dining plans, transportation, and endless exposure to Disney characters and themed restaurants and rooms. So you never have to leave the magic. And no matter what level of hotel you choose, you'll always get that Disney magic treatment. Don't forget, there's a campground located at the campsites at Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort. Set on 750 acres, it kind of feels like you're on the American frontier. There's real wildlife there, like deer, ducks, armadillos, and rabbits. It's incredibly scenic, with woodland trails, pool areas, and my favorite part, the hoop dee doo Review located at Pioneer Hall. That's a musical dinner show that includes frontier-style skits, songs, and an all-you-can-eat fried chicken and smoked barbecue dinner. And don't worry, I'm a vegetarian, and there are still plenty of options for me. When I first heard about it, I thought it sounded too cheesy, but it's the perfect amount of cheesy, Just about the time you're joining in for the final song, you'll realize it's too ridiculous not to be fun. The rustic cabins in the woods are big enough to sleep six adults and include a living room, bedroom, full bathroom, private patio, 
charcoal grill, and kitchen. But the housekeeping will do the dishes for you. There's a lakeside dock, so you can easily get to the Magic Kingdom on a boat, and you can even rent a golf cart or bike to explore the entire beautiful resort. If you want to be in on the action, but don't feel like getting slammed over the head with Disney theminess, there are two sister hotels on the property that are not Disney-managed. The Dolphin Hotel and the Swan Hotel. And they truly are beautiful. You might feel like you left Walt Disney World, but you still get all the perks of staying with Disney because they're located on the Disney World property. You'll be just as close to the action as everybody else. And they have this really great special occasion restaurant called Blue Zoo and a spa and a gym. Disney also has two water parks, Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach. The ski resort-themed Blizzard Beach is technically a little bit better for kids, but it's also home to Summit Plummet, one of the steepest water slides that I have ever been down in my entire life. Both parks offer dining, patios, umbrellas, wave pools, life jackets, towel halls, and lockers available for rent. You can bring a cooler, but a cast member will be looking inside before they let you in. Glass containers other than small baby food jars and alcohol are not permitted. And then there's Disney Springs, Disney's shopping center with 97 shops like The Art of Disney, Build a Dino by Build-A-Bear, Disney's Candy Cauldron, Kate Spade, The Lego Store, Sephora, Alex and Annie, Anthropology, The M&M Store, and more. There are 69 restaurants like Planet Hollywood, Wolfgang Puck, T-Rex, Rainforest Cafe, The Daily Poutine, a haagen kiosk, and more. It's all stuff you can find outside of Walt Disney World, but a great place to go if you don't have park tickets or if you feel like mixing up the fun with some bowling, a concert at the House of Blues, or a movie at the AMC Dine-In Theater. The parks, the philosophy of planning. (sighs) Take a deep breath. You are about to enter one of the most magical places in the world, and every inch is covered with something to experience. Nobody, not even me, can cover it all in one day. So set doable, comfortable expectations. Every single ride and attraction is exciting in its own way. But part of the fun is taking time to see the details in the architecture, smelling that sweet smell being pumped from the confectionery, and making time to catch a parade, meet your favorite characters, hit the shops, or just simply bask in the magic of the happiest place on earth. Be intentional, but not so obsessed with the plan. You'll be setting yourself up for failure. You gotta be Yoda. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. That said, if you know you wanna eat in a restaurant that takes reservations, make those reservations ASAP. 
you might have a really hard time just walking into some of the restaurants and getting a table, especially if you have a bigger party. For most restaurants, you can make a reservation 60 days in advance, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on that day. And I would absolutely do it 60 days in advance. Now, if I were you, I would choose one or two big things in each park that you simply can't miss and try to make reservations for them using Genie Plus in the My Experiences app or just prepare yourself to wait in line. But then go with the flow. Let the pixie dust take hold. Build in time for rests. Theater experiences and seated rides are great opportunities to sit in air conditioning. And remember, your kids might need more breaks than you. Although the first time I went at five, I was like the Energizer Bunny. Or I guess since we're talking about Disney, Tigger. But if you have a cranky traveler, they might just need to take a beat. The seated dining restaurants, as opposed to the quick service ones, are actually experiences themselves. You'll be having fun and getting fed at the same time, especially if it's a character dining experience. Sometimes the restaurants can be pricey, but I have found that if I just go sit down for a few satisfying meals, I end up spending less than if I just blew through the park buying every single sack I saw, but definitely save room for some yummy snacks. As for souvenirs, remember, the stores stay open after the parks officially close, so you can save shopping for the end, although it'll be kind of crowded. Note, some of the friskier rides do have a height requirement of 40 inches or taller, so check in advance to make sure everyone in your party can participate. Holidays at Disney World. Holidays in the park are the busiest time of the year for a reason. Disney pulls out every single stop to bring you the most over-the-top celebrations for Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, and more. Everything gets a makeover, from the merchandise to the parades to the street decorations and music. But I just want to talk about two of the biggest holidays, two of the biggest parties, Halloween and Christmas. From mid-August to November, you can celebrate Halloween in the Magic Kingdom with Disney's not-so-spooky spectacular, a fireworks display, trick-or-treating throughout the park, and Mickey's Boo-to-You Halloween Parade, which happens to be my favorite parade of all time. It's full of the best villains, dancing gravediggers, and at the end, the running of a headless horseman. It's ticketed, so make sure you reserve a spot in advance. It lasts from 7 to midnight, but you can technically let the party begin at 4 p.m. if you've bought your ticket and have a wristband. And definitely get dressed up for this one. This is the one time of the year that adults are actually urged to dress like their favorite characters. Normally, guests are allowed to wear Disney-themed clothing and accessories, but not allowed to wear full costumes that could be mistaken for those worn by Disney cast members. If you aren't in costume, you'll be in the minority. But part of the fun is seeing the kind of creative group costumes that families put together. 
from early November to right before Christmas, Disney's Magic Kingdom hosts Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, a ticketed event that lets people party from 7 to midnight. But again, you can actually enter as early as 4 p.m. with your ticket. 7 p.m. is when the real party starts. The park will actually be closed to guests without that wristband. The park will be completely transformed into a winter wonderland with Christmas decor and music, Mickey and the gang dressed in their adorable Christmas best, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade, Minnie's wonderful Christmas Time fireworks, and even some of the rides like Space Mountain and Jingle Cruise will have their own holiday twist. There are cookies and cocoa stands throughout, free cookies, and a guaranteed snowfall on Main Street USA. And you thought it never snowed in Orlando. Epcot also hosts parties all year round. The Food and Wine Festival is in the fall, and that's your chance to taste international food from six continents in booths scattered all around World Showcase. During Epcot's International Flower and Garden Festival in the spring, topiaries in the shape of Disney characters, along with beautiful gardens, are on display all throughout Epcot, along with Garden Fresh Cuisine and their annual Garden Rocks concert series. And some big names pull up for this thing. Cool and the Gang, Rick Springfield, the Turtles. I saw Davy Jones there once. The Epcot International Festival of the Arts is usually in January and February and features a Disney on Broadway concert series, creative culinary treats, and music and performing artists all over the place. You'll get to play with chalk art, and there's tons of fun photo ops for the whole family. So it's kind of like the park turns into this big art project that you get to play in. Epcot gets into the holidays, too, for the International Festival of the Holidays, where you can meet Santa, of course, hear live holiday music, and storytellers from all over the world telling their own cultural holiday stories. How to do five days at Disney World. I've been to Disney World for a full week, and I've been for a long weekend, because I'll take anything I can get. But five days is actually a nice amount of time that will let you hit all of your dream attractions without feeling like you're in supermarket sweep on a schedule so strict that everyone will be fighting and your legs will be sore for days. There's no perfect way to do the five days. It depends who's in your party but I'd structure it something like this. Day one, Magic Kingdom. Day two, Epcot. Day three, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Day four, Animal Kingdom. Day five, day off to either return to your favorite or hit up something like Disney Springs or a water park. Or you can do my personal thing. Treat your Disney hotel as a park. Go to the pool, relax. Your party will dictate where you want to spend most of your time. And if young kids are the star of the trip, I would spend at least two days in the Magic Kingdom, right? It was built for them. And if they're really young and you don't mind, you could probably skip Epcot and Hollywood Studios or roll them into one day. They're geographically neighbors, 
so you won't waste time switching. If you're looking for another way to save a day, take a look at each park and do an inventory of what you can't miss. Animal Kingdom's technically enormous, but if seeing animals isn't your thing, you won't need as much time there, if any. Personally, I think if you want the most Disney of Disney experiences, but want to save a day, you could skip Animal Kingdom. Listen, it is way better than a zoo, but you could get your animal watching fix somewhere else. And I think that the rest of the parks are much more unique and less easily replicated. Don't know where to start? I would plan on pegging each day to one restaurant, then working backwards from there. If you really want to have lunch at Sci-Fi Dine-In, for example, which I think you do, make that reservation and plan on spending that day in Hollywood Studios. And if you can't find a restaurant in the park you'll be visiting on a day and you want reservations, consider booking a table in a hotel because you don't need a park pass to get into those. You will have to go through security to get into the parking lot if you drive, but you can just say you're there for dining. They might ask for your confirmation number. You could also drive to the Ticket and Transportation Center and take the monorail or a bus from there, or take the monorail or bus from another park. Another thing to think about. If you're staying at a Disney Deluxe Resort or Disney Deluxe Villa Resort, you can take advantage of extended evening theme park hours when certain parks stay open a little longer than normal. There's an online calendar that we'll link to in the notes that lets you know which parks are open late on which day. You might want to think about that when you're planning which day to go where. The best part about having five days in Disney or more is the luxury of being able to rest. So take advantage of it. With five days, scheduled downtime for the pool, time at Disney Springs, parasailing at the Contemporary, or just a nap in your hotel room. I promise you, the more downtime you can buffer all the fun with, the more you'll be able to enjoy all the magic and chaos of the parks. Thanks for listening to this Start Here episode in Circa's Guide to Walt Disney World. Remember to check out all the other episodes in this guide for deeper dives into the big four parks. Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, and of course, the Magic Kingdom. Plus, there's a whole episode about where and what to eat, including the treats that are as unique as each park. And in the Circa app, there are notes and maps to go along with all the episodes, plus guides to other cities around the world, like London and Paris. Circa. Love the world you live in. We'll help you explore it.